Back in my restaurant business days, I studied up on business here and there, on how to be successful in, in the work we were doing. And it, I came across this book, came out in 2004, called The Power of We. And the whole premise of this book on business was that you can be more successful in business with partnerships. If you can focus less on your own business's personal needs and think about the greater good in the power of we, you can have more success in what you're trying to accomplish. The power of we. I, I'm not sure. I, I, honestly, I never even picked up the book. I just found it and thought, that sounds kind of interesting. I never read it. I don't know if it's true, if the power of we works in the business world or not. But I do know that the discipleship of we does work. And that's in a book, too. The Bible says a lot about how this, this walk of discipleship, this being a disciple or a follower of Jesus, is not something we do alone. It's a discipleship of we. It's a walk we do together towards heaven. And the Bible has a whole lot to say about that. Within the New Testament, it's been counted up that the phrase one another comes up 59 times. Talking about our relationships with one another, with fellow Christians. It's important as we walk towards heaven to have fellow Christians, to have fellow disciples walking with us. The discipleship of we. That we are there to, to love one another, and we're there to serve one another and take care of each other and use our gifts to help each other. Right? That's all good. But, but today we're going to take a look at a little different aspect of this discipleship of we that on the outset might make us feel a little uncomfortable. That we might push back on just a little bit. That we might have some excuses for. But our second lesson this morning from God's Word helps us understand what the discipleship of we looks like when it comes to caring for each other spiritually. Just a little background on our lesson from 2 Corinthians. And when I read it just a little bit earlier, maybe you're wondering, I have no idea what's going on here. It just, what, what is he talking about here? And, and even from the context of 2 Corinthians, if you'd go and look, you, you really wouldn't be able to tell. In fact, you have to go to Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. And in that letter, he wrote to this Christian congregation about a situation there. In that church, there was a member of that congregation who was living in adultery. He was sleeping with his stepmother. And not only were they not addressing that sin with this man, but it seems like from the context that they were, they were actually accepting of it. That they had become okay with it. That, that they not only were not saying anything, but they were even maybe saying, it's okay. And in that first letter to the Corinthians, Paul is very harsh with that congregation and saying, you have to deal with this sin among you. You can't let this continue. You know this is wrong. What are you doing? 
You need to call this man to repentance. And if he isn't called to repentance out of love for his soul, you need to put him outside the fellowship of believers to show him the seriousness of his sin that he is living in and unrepentant of. Paul admonishes that congregation that you've got to deal with this sin among you. That's the context for what he writes here in 2 Corinthians. And it's obvious from the context here that he admonished them and they received that admonishment and dealt with the situation. This is what he says here. He says at the beginning of our lesson in in chapter 2 of 2 Corinthians, again, it's printed out in the service folder if you have your Bible along or the pew Bible. It says, if anyone has caused grief, he has not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you to some extent. Not to put it too severely, the punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. They heeded Paul's words. They admonished this man. And it did its job. The law did its work. So the first thing that we learn about this discipleship of we is that in the love of Christ, we are there to admonish one another. We are there to lead each other to see the sin in our lives. And it's that love of Christ and in that spirit of love that we do it. And and, and now I know this is where the excuses start. This is where you start to push back and say, well, why should I? It's none of my business. Why? Because it destroys the fellowship of believers. When there's sin among believers, that fellowship and that unity we have in Christ is is, is disintegrated and even destroyed. that, That fellowship is not there when sin is there. Why? Why should you do this? Why are we to admonish one another? Because... Because it can lead others to think that sin's not a big deal. If, if we're okay with this sin, that we must be okay with this. Sin breeds more sin. Allowing sin to be there in our relationships and among us can lead others into sin. And, and why else should we do it? Because it's not loving. It's not loving to see someone caught in sin and not to do anything about it. It's not loving for that person or that person's soul and their eternal welfare if we just say it's not my problem, it's not a big deal, whatever. In Christian love, we are called to admonish one another. And can this be difficult? Sure. Is it fun to do? No, but that is what we are called to do. We, we can't start thinking, well, who am I? Or, or it's not my job, it's somebody else's, someone else's responsibility. Or, or, or well, I'll just pray about it and put it in God's hands. Because you know what God's direction is? It's you. It's you to admonish a fellow Christian in love when they're caught in sin. And so who is it in your life? What fellow Christian in your life needs admonishment? Maybe it's the family member. 
who knows the importance of being connected to God's word and sacrament, but they have despised those means of grace. And their faith is suffering because of it. Guess what? It's your job to admonish them in love for their souls. Or maybe it's a Christian friend who's living with someone outside of marriage, just abusing God's gifts of sex and marriage, and, and, and they don't care. They, 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 they know what God's word says, but they do it anyways. They're unrepentant. Guess what? It's your job to admonish them in love for their soul. Maybe it's the Christian coworker who you know is, is cheating, cutting corners, maybe stealing. Who knows better, but, but it's, just, it's just their conscience has been so weird, that wore down that it doesn't even bother them anymore. Guess what? It's your job, your responsibility in Christian love to admonish that fellow Christian. Maybe it's the fellow church member who's gossiping, who's talking about other people behind their back and tearing them down instead of building them up. Guess what? As a fellow brother and sister in faith, it's your responsibility, your duty to admonish them in Christian love. And why? Because I'd hope you'd want the same for you. I'd hope that if you were caught and entangled in a sin, that you'd want a fellow brother and sister in faith to come to you and admonish you and lead you to see your sin and see the truth. I hope you'd want that. I mean, if your life is in physical danger, you want help, don't you? You want someone to come to your aid, but how much more when your soul is in spiritual danger? Hey, you go to your doctor, right? And the diagnosis is cancer. And they kind of say, well, you know, a lot of people get cancer. Right? Or, or, you know, I, it's, maybe it's not a big deal. Right? Maybe it'll be okay. No, you want the hard, cold facts. Tell me, Doc. Tell me what I got to do. How much more when it comes to sin in our lives? The disease of sin that affects and infects and spreads and can lead to something far worse than just physical death, but spiritual death. Dear friends, in Christian love, in that love of Christ, we are called to admonish one another what we do out of Christian love. It's what we do to care for one another spiritually. What God calls us to do. This is what it says in, in Hebrews chapter 3. It says to believers, encourage one another daily, daily, regularly, as long as it is called today, because we're not promised tomorrow. Right? This idea that, well, maybe I can repent tomorrow. Right? I'll, I'll get my life right tomorrow. Or, or I'll talk to that person tomorrow about what's going on in their life. There might not be a tomorrow. As long as it's called today, encourage each other daily so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And, and we know, we've been there. Sin is deceitful. It is there to tell us it's not a big deal. Everyone's doing it. Go ahead. No one can tell you you're wrong. They can't judge you. Sin is there to lead you into this deceitfulness that it's not a big deal, and you know how easy it is to get hardened in that. Hardened in that sin, hardening of the heart, hardening in unbelief, and that slippery slope is extremely and eternally dangerous. And so we are called to encourage each other 
admonish one another in Christian love. We have that example here in this church in Corinth. They led this brother in faith to see his sin. They admonished him for it. And we see that it worked. He was led to see his sin. And now, in the compassion of Christ, listen to what Paul tells them to do. He says, verses 7 to 10, Now instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him, so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him, Another reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. The goal of admonishment, the goal of going to a fellow brother and sister in Christ and leading them to see their sin that they are stuck in and become okay with and, and not repenting of, the goal is always to lead them to forgiveness and comfort. The goal is not to make them feel terrible. The goal is not to puff yourself up and make yourself feel better about yourself than you're, you're a better Christian than they are. The goal is to forgive. The goal is to be able to offer them that full and free forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. The goal is to be able to offer that comfort and that peace of that forgiveness for the one who repents. That is what we do. And notice there are no strings attached here. Paul doesn't attach any strings to that forgiveness. He doesn't say, forgive the man if he proves he's really sorry. Right? He's got to earn his way back in. No, there's none of that. There are no strings attached. She says, forgive him, reaffirm your love for him, comfort him. You know, just like admonishing someone can be difficult, right? Because it, it makes us feel uncomfortable and, and maybe we'll think we might hurt that person's feelings. And, and you know, it, it might just, it's a hard thing to do. So forgiving someone can be hard too, can it? Especially if the person who's been hurt is you. Because isn't there the, the natural initial thought that, wait, they say they're sorry and confess their sin, and I forgive them, and that's it? It's done? No strings attached? That's hard to do, isn't it? And if that's hard, if that's something that you have been struggling with, to forgive, you know what the problem is? You're forgetting. You're forgetting how much God has forgiven you in Christ Jesus. That every sin, every single sin, was paid for. Every single sin washed away. At that cross, when Jesus says, It is finished, it was done. And you know what conditions God placed on that? blood. But not your blood. The innocent blood of the Son of God himself. Your substitute and your Savior. His blood was shed so that you could have full and free forgiveness with no strings attached, no conditions whatsoever. 
It says in Romans that he was delivered over to death for our sins, but he was raised to life for our justification. He died on that cross because of our sins, not anything he had done, but everything we have done and not done, and then was raised to life again for our justification that we are declared to be not guilty. We did the crime, but he did the time. At that cross, paid for, in full, done. And God does not bring up those sins again. They're buried in the bottom of the ocean. As far as the east is from the west so far, are your transgressions removed from you? God looks at you and he sees the righteousness of Christ. No sin because of what he has done for you. If you're struggling with forgiving, look back to the cross and see God's full and free forgiveness for you. See what he has done to take away your sins with no strings attached and see how then God calls us Every one of us to forgive as we have first been forgiven. Friends, this is the discipleship of a we. We admonish one another in love. And then we offer each other the full and free forgiveness and that comfort and that peace of that good news that those sins are paid for. It's what we get to do for each other. It's what God expects us to do for one another. James put, puts it this way. He says, my brothers and sisters, writing to Christians, he says, if any of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, right there you see it, admonishment and then offering forgiveness, that discipleship of we, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death, that's eternal death, and cover over a multitude of sins. Think about how awesome that is. That God would call us, brothers and sisters in faith, to repentance. To offer the full and free forgiveness of Jesus. To save a soul from death. That's the discipleship of we. This has eternal significance. As we live our lives together, as we walk this road to heaven together, as disciples of Jesus. And this is something we have to work at. This is something we have to struggle with because we've got an enemy who doesn't want us to make it to that finish line of heaven. This is, this is what Paul says right at the end of the lesson. He, he says that forgive him, comfort him, right? In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Satan's trying to outwit us. Satan doesn't want us to reach the finish line of heaven. Satan doesn't want us to admonish one another. He doesn't want us to be able to forgive each other. He wants us to withhold either that forgiveness or that admonishment because he doesn't have your best interests in mind. He doesn't care about us. He hates us. You know what he wants? He wants you to suffer in his misery in hell forever. That's what he wants. Remember what the name Satan means. It means enemy. Satan is the enemy of God and everything God stands for, and de facto then he is the enemy of us, God's people. He's trying to outwit us. He's trying to take us down. 
He doesn't want to think of discipleship of we in this, think about discipleship in that manner. He wants you to make you feel like you're all alone. Like a harmless sheep who's ready to get picked off. That's what he wants. And so we must, in the power of Christ, stand against the schemes of Satan together. Paul tells us, stand against those schemes of Satan together. And what are those schemes of Satan? What are those things that he comes at us with and and tries to destroy us with? Well, one of the first things he does, one of those schemes, is he comes and tries to tell us that those sins in our lives are no big deal. Just like he did all the way back in the garden. The first words uttered out of his mouth in Scripture are, did God really say you can't do that? He wants to try to convince us that sin is not a big deal and God's not really serious, so go ahead. He wants to try to convince us that the world's doing it, so can you. If it feels good, it can't be that bad. Satan is scheming. He's scheming that when we fall into those sins, then we make excuses for them, or we blame others for them, or, or we try to justify them and say, well, oh well, this is the way my life is. And then, you know what he does, when, when fellow Christians come to admonish us in love for us, you know what his scheme is then? They have no right to judge you. Who are they to tell you? They're sinners too. Who are they to tell you that you're sinful and that you need to repent? Why don't they look in the mirror? Satan comes with these schemes. And when, when you, when you know it's your responsibility to go and admonish in Christian love that, that family member or that friend or, or that co-worker or that fellow church member, when you know it's your responsibility to go and do that, what, what is Satan there scheming? His scheme is, they're not going to listen anyways. Or, it's not your responsibility. Someone else will do it. Or, who are you to tell somebody else about their sin? Look at all your sins. The schemes of Satan are there to try to convince us that we shouldn't admonish one another in love. And then, if we're able to to, to lead that soul to repentance, Satan is still scheming, isn't he? Because he's there to whisper in that ear, God can't really forgive you. Those words in the gospel, they're not really for you. You've done so much that is beyond forgiveness. And you've got to do something if you want to want that forgiveness. You've got to earn it. You've got to do something to get it. You see, Satan is scheming every step of the way. We have to stand firm against these schemes of Satan together. We need to stand firm against these schemes together. And we do that as we continually come and remind each other of that sin is a big deal. As we hear in the law of God's word that God is serious about sin. He doesn't just let sin slide. Look at the cross. Look at the suffering and the agony that Jesus had to go through. God is serious about sin. He's serious about your sin. He's serious about hell. We need to remind each other of that. We stand against the schemes of Satan together. 
as when a fellow Christian comes and admonishes me, I don't make excuses for my sin. Oh, it might hurt. It might hurt a little bit. It's never fun to hear about your sins and be called on on the carpet for them. But I'm not going to make excuses. I'm not going to try to justify them. Instead, I'm going to receive that for what it is. A Christian brother or sister who cares about my soul, who wants me to be in heaven, who loves me enough to say something about the sin that I'm caught in. We stand against the schemes of Satan together. As when we have that opportunity to admonish a fellow Christian in love, that we don't think it's someone else's job. No, it's mine. That we don't worry about hurting that person's feelings or maybe even the relationship because the alternative is far worse. We stand firm against the schemes of Satan together as we immerse ourselves back into the gospel as we lead each other to the cross of Christ, as we remind each other daily and encourage each other daily of that full and free forgiveness in Christ and that comfort that it brings and that peace that it brings and that joy and that promise of eternal life it brings. We continue to immerse ourselves in that good news that there's nothing you have to do to earn it. It's yours fully and freely in Christ Jesus. Dear friends, this is the discipleship of we. We love each other enough to say hard things. We love each other enough to continually lead each other back to the cross of Christ. We love each other enough that we want to stand firm against the schemes of Satan together until until we get to stand together in the glory of we in heaven together. And friends, that's the goal here. That's the goal of coming together like this. It's not just to care for each other's earthly needs and to serve one another. That's all good and fine. And we we do that as a church and let's keep doing that. But the ultimate goal is we want to gather together in heaven. That's where we want to be gathered in front of that throne of the Lamb who laid down his life for us so that we could have life forever. The discipleship of we. We walk together towards heaven. We admonish one another. We forgive each other. We comfort each other. We stand firm against Satan together for the glory of God. So one day we get to bask in that glory forever together. May God give us the desire and the determination to do so. Amen. Amen.